0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Find Strength Within podcast. This is your host Mohanakrishnan. Always had a question how did the successful people make it? Mm, how do I get motivated? What are the life hacks to get to the top quickly? Well, I can't guarantee you I can help you with all of those questions, but I can assure you I can try. With this good hope, Let's start our episode. Hope you all enjoy it. On today's episode, we have a very f- dear friend of mine, Irfan Hussain. Irfan Hussain is a part of the Indian Armed Forces. He is an assistant commandant in the Indian Coast Guard. He is also an international tennis player who is representing India in multiple occasions. With his theme of unsung heroes in a fine strength within podcast, Irfan happens to be a good match. So welcome, Irfan. It's an honor having you to the show.
1: Thank you, Mohan. It's so nice to be on show with you.
0: Thanks, Irfan. Yeah, with this theme of Unsung Heroes, I thought uh, Irfan is a very good example. Uh, So I just thought I'll have a quick chat with you. Uh, Let the listeners know about your tennis journey, the stint at the Indian Coast Guard. Let's start with the first question, right? Um, Let's jump to the Indian Coast Guard. I know you were an international tennis star, but then you shifted to... Uh, the indian coast guard right like uh, from a tennis star to an assistant commander at the indian coast guard how did that shift happen like um, were you really passionate of serving uh, the indian armed forces uh, how did that actually happen
1: well, uh, like you said, uh, tennis and um, the armed forces have always been the two passions that I've always had ever since I was a kid. So uh, I played a lot of tennis uh, during my college days, post that, and even during my school days, uh, played lots of tennis. And then uh, sometime just after I finished my master's from an university, I, um, I, 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 I keenly pursued uh, Uh, Service Selection Board interviews. I was very uh, interested in joining the uh, Indian Army. And uh, but uh, like I didn't like certain things like I had some tournaments that were going on and I could not uh, attend certain SSBs because of that. And uh, suddenly, like I got a call from Coast Guard. SSB and uh, I attended it and it was my first service selection board interview and uh, they picked me straight I was recommended straight so I did not even think about you know pursuing the army because it was my dream was to be part of the Indian armed forces and undergo that military training and all that and it happened it happened so yeah that's that's She's how I saying... there. it's my passion
0: oh yeah so it just happened right like uh, destiny throws Uh, Different lines you just have to pick up, so something like that, right? Absolutely,
1: Absolutely. like, um, I remember, I remember, you know, going for those SSD uh, interviews, and there are like uh, so many rounds before you know you get recommended. Um, I did not even prepare, like, you know, I had zero preparation, like, you know, unlike other counterparts that I met at the interview, they were like going through their notes and things like that. I was, I was, I just walked in straight there, okay, but um. I, and i just got recommended like it was just it was like a dream to be honest and i don't think anybody would believe it you know it's so oh. simple to say like i just walked in i fe- they felt like i was a good match <laughs> for their job criteria and oh. um, I, it was yeah, like a <laughs> very easy walk for me but yeah, it was tough. Like because um, the cart is very hard. Like you know, like uh, I remember, close to twelve thousand, thirteen thousand people appeared for the interview, right? And only like forty-five were picked, and I was yeah. one of them. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, that those are the odds.
0: Oh, that's that's a yeah. big achievement, right? How was the journey in Indian Coast Guard? Right? We we as civilians, we don't know about. What happens there uh, in the armed forces, right? Like we are all right. in a normal civil life, uh, but there we know you're all uh, protecting our borders, water borders, the land borders, and uh, you have a tough regime, right? So let's start with your uh, training days, right? Uh, I've heard a lot, and in fact, I've read a lot about uh, the military training at the Indian Naval Academy, which is in Kerala, right? Uh, so talk us through the rigor there. Um, any memorable incidents or and what did the training actually uh, make you? Yeah,
1: Definitely. So as soon as I was recommended, uh, I had to undergo my medicals, uh, which was, uh, I cleared that. And then I was given my uh, joining letter at the Indian Naval Academy, which is located in uh, Elimala. Elimala. Uh, it's a beautiful place. Uh, if you walk into that place, you'll think it's some five-star resort, but it's not. For okay. especially um, <laughs> the people who trained there, the trainees like me who train there, mm-hmm. and um, it was a it was a beautiful place. Like it's it's incredibly located. Uh, you know there is a it's a hill overlooking the ocean. So Ooh. from wherever in the in the academy you will be looking at the ocean. It's a beautiful view. Wow. But then our regime there was very tough, very tough. Mm-hmm. And uh, first. And foremost thing that they try to do in the military training is break your cycle like you know we barely get time to sleep and uh, like we I, I've had nights where I was standing and sleeping and things like that because yeah. it was that crazy yeah mm-hmm. so it's a tough uh, like you know we morning we wake up and we wake up at like four in the morning and there is uh training, running, you know, like lots and lots of running and lots of fitness, then there'll be parade. There are so many things and it's a huge academy and it's, uh, there, it's, it's uh, there are a lot of hills and uh, uh, valleys of sorts and it's a lot of climbing also. And it's actually one of the largest military academies in Asia. Um, It's it's huge. It's massive. And there is a tropical rainforest inside the academy. You won't believe it. So uh, it's a tough routine. But I was uh, very keen on pursuing, uh, you know, undergoing this training because like it gives you, it shows you a different, uh, you know, thing in life which you cannot experience as a civilian i wanted to undergo this training
0: okay. and i did
1: it And i'm very <laughs> happy that i was successful nice. enough to nice come through you have, it and, yeah. you have
0: any memorable incident there
1: memorable incidents there are so many actually okay. um in the academy um in the academy was a little bit easier for me because easier in the sense like uh, i was a sportsman i I Mm. came from a sports background so i was Mm. reasonably fit and i was able to withstand the training that they were imparting us there Mm. um unlike some of my counterparts who were from a civilian background Mm. they found it a little hard but uh, memorable incidents like um I'm not able to pick one to be honest. <laughs> like, okay. uh, I was okay. uh, I was uh, the um, you know when I. Walked I'm into sure the academy, uh,
0: you would have knew. won the tennis tournament there. <laughs> uh,
1: but, yes, I did. I was going to tell you that. <laughs> but the, here's the thing: so when I walked into the academy, right, like nobody knew that I played tennis. Okay. So <laughs> uh, nobody knew there were, and that's uh, I think the first or the second week we had the INA. Uh, open it's called it's the INA tennis championships Uh and there are seen in the academy itself there is a very strong hierarchy Mm -hmm. right like you know there are like junior cadets um, uh, like you know second termers third termers and then uh, the final termers are called um, midshipmen so they are like uh, so everybody it's a very strong hierarchy Uh, so Uh, when I joined I was the junior most obviously and um, usually the senior most cadets like the midshipmen that I was talking uh, that I was just telling you uh, win all these championships because they have spent time in the academy and all that Um, usually from civilian background so when I walked in there nobody knew who I was like no they had no clue that i played some tennis before and they just—it uh, was. I just walked in, and I, I didn't drop a single game because obviously <laughs> it's not. <Yeah>. The, <laughs> it's really obviously not the it. the 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 level that I was playing, and um, I got a lot of recognition in the academy. You know, uh-huh. they give you a lot of privileges, like you know, once oh. you win. Like we basically in the academy are uh, academy split into six squadrons. Mm-hmm. so it's like different houses basically. So, Mm -hmm. um, so we have a lot of protocols that are followed. For example, um, you be given some uh, whatever is given additional to what your term is uh, eligible for is called a privilege. You know, it could be having an extra toast in breakfast, Mm -hmm. or it could be as being one minute late for a um, a muster where people gather up every morning and evening those are the privileges that are given and there will be some leeway within the squadron um you know there are a lot of punishments that we get you know that that, those are purposely you know given to us but um sometimes when you win some medals for your squadron um you will be exempted from that so yeah like (laughs) that's what happened
0: but Like, can you say that at the end of the training, you were uh, completely groomed as an officer? Like, you had a lot of changes in you?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Without any doubt. I don't think uh, um, the training made all the difference. Even though I thought I was uh, reasonably well-groomed, I came from a city upbringing, like being brought up in Chennai and all that. In spite of that, there was a tremendous change when I was passing out, Uh, like It could be as simple as, uh, you know, how you eat in a dining table. We had a huge mess table and all the etiquettes that had to be followed and everything is imparted to you. And uh, like the way you see life is completely changed by the time you pass out. Even though I spent only small amount of time in the academy, it is a life-changing experience. And I also realized how much I can push myself. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I could go without sleep for a very long time. I know it's not good for you, but, you know, like I could go without sleep when the job requires you to, mm-hmm. you know, do that and uh, i know how hard i can push myself i've learned a lot of survival skills there so in 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 our training there is about um, close to five to six days that we spend uh, in the forest in the tropical rainforest in K- uh, in kerala with absolutely nothing you have to survive it's survival you just have to survive as simple as that yeah. um you you don't have anything you carry your own tents you pitch your own tents in the forest and uh, it's they give you tasks to accomplish, like you know, like there are uh, you have to navigate yourself in the densest of forests that I've possibly ever seen my entire life, and um, such things like that. Like I learned a lot of life skills basically. Mm, I know how to yeah. <laughs> I know how to dig a snake trench. I know how to make a raft from barrels, and I know yeah so many things. I know how to climb a tree. Yeah. <laughs> All these things nobody teaches you. So but the academy. Yeah. Uh, they they impart this knowledge wow. into you somehow or the
0: other oh that's really yeah. interesting to hear right like we at civilian L- life have no clue what all these things right So yeah <laughs> it's really interesting yeah. to hear that it's fun thanks for highlighting that. So uh, the next question is after your training right post your training uh, at the U- INA you joined as a frontline yeah. fleet for the Indian navy uh, and you served yes. inboard frontline warships for several years and also you were deployed yes. in missions to Africa. So tell us about yes. that job, right? Uh, I mean these stubs are all completely fancy for right. us, right? We have no idea what it means, uh, but just throw us some yeah. light uh, what what are the roles and responsibilities you had there.
1: Yeah, so you know the, the reason why we are trained so hard in the academy is because uh, as soon as you finish your uh, training in the academy, um, you are directly responsible to almost uh, i mean uh, about 150 men directly report to you. Oh, so okay. that is how much responsibility as you, you have as a immediate pass out of the academy as an uh, assistant commandant. So on board ships, I was on board uh, frontline warships. Uh, I was uh, I was on INS Kochi, which was uh, in Mumbai. It is a stealth destroyer of the Indian Navy. And uh, as soon as you joined the fleets, basically, uh, you have a tons and tons of responsibility as an officer. So all the juniors, all the subordinate officers, all the, uh, in, the in the Navy and in the Coast Guard, they call it as, um, you know, uh, sailors and seamen and all that. They are one step below officers. Close to 100 of them uh, report to you directly. So your responsibility is immense. Like, you know, you're responsible for their well-being, you're res- uh, of their well-being and, yeah, whatever they will listen to every single command that you give. That's how much control you have. If you ask them to jump into a well, they won't even ask you twice. You know, they won't ask you why mm-hmm. you're doing uh, giving such commands. They'll just do it. So that is the responsibility that is, you know. Um, but how did you
0: take it, right? You were you were just somewhere around 24, 25, I mean, mid 20s. Yeah. Yes. And correct, suddenly correct. you have 150 people reporting to you, right? How did you take it? That's, that's yeah. really tough, right? A lot of pressure. Uh,
1: it's a lot of pressure, so you're expected to maintain a very high uh, standard of uh, you know a very high moral high ground like you know you you cannot make even a single mistake and even if you make a single mistake the men under you cannot see it should not see it rather like you know once they see a chink in your armor they'll be like okay so they'll be like okay our uh, sir is like this sir is like that you know they should never talk to you never find a mistake in you you have to be perfect throughout so it was hard, man. It was very hard to be honest, like to maintain that level of decorum. And like it could be as something as simple as wearing a our uniform is white and the ships that we work in are very greasy. And wherever you touch them, it becomes black. So <laughs> it's about maintaining your uniform. And like, you know, you have to be you have to always give your best. It, it could be as simple as having a perfectly ironed uniform all the time. So, you know, um, I don't want my my men under me to see me having an, a dirty uniform and things like that. Okay. So it, it, it boils down to the individual and there's no one going to be checking me. Of course, I have a commanding officer who's above me and all that, but I only report to him and it's not like he checks me. So I have to maintain my own level of uh, integrity towards the service and things like that. So yeah, as soon as I passed out, I joined, um, I joined the, I joined uh, in a squadron in Kochi in this ship called INS teer It is a um, it is a offshore patrol vessel of the Indian Navy, and we did a lot of um, sailing and things like that. It was a very nice experience to start off with, and um, we were part of a humanitarian mission in Africa, and we also participated in a lot of diplomatic missions in uh, Mauritius where we were invited by their uh, president to be part of their national day parade and so many things like that and when we did a lot of humanitarian aid like dropping off provisions uh, to all these uh, african islands in the indian ocean uh, could be a small place like reunion island or madagascar or uh, all those places and then we did a lot of patrol on those areas because they are um, you know infested by pirates so we had to take care. We have to, We did the patrolling to see if everything is okay and all that. And uh, yeah, I, I spent quite a bit of time in uh, places like Tanzania, uh, doing a little bit of community work it was very interesting it's a very tough for that assignment to be honest like you know we were going to places like you know trying to build uh, it, uh those places are very backward compared to India yeah. like we have seen poverty in India but poverty there is a different level altogether like you know that is way below what we see here to be honest, you know having seen things here so yeah, India does its bit. Like uh, as a country, we try to, you know, try to help out other countries which are not as privileged as ours. So True. we do all that. So yeah, that's how it is. That's pretty nice. much everything. about Yeah, yeah. This
0: all, you know, we we have no idea about it, right? It's all kind of when we hear to all this, we kind of uh, imagine the movies, what we see, right? Uh, the All these yeah. scenes, right? But um, I'm sure you would have loved it, right? Experiencing it in real. So Absolutely. thanks for sharing this. Uh, let's, let's get back, go a little backward. Um, so how did your tennis journey start? Like uh, we know you've reached uh, at an international level, uh, but I'm sure you would have had a lot of ups and downs. Uh, so just talk us about it, right? Like how did your tennis journey start? What are the injuries you faced? Um, how did you climb up the ranks? Those kinds of stuff.
1: Okay. So tennis, uh, my father was a tennis player. He was, yeah. um, pretty much, uh, he was, uh, highly ranked player in the country during his days he was a national champion too so and uh, when I was a kid uh, we had a tennis court very close to my house so I ended up going there and you know holding the racket and playing tennis became something very inevitable and that's how I picked up the sport and I started loving it as I kept growing older and I wasn't so serious about the sport till I was like about nine or ten years old I was just playing it for fun and I was having a beautiful time on court like it was a way of you know spending my energy and coming back home and sleeping so um, but then um, when I became like 12 13 I got a little serious I I had a coach uh, who you know who told me this is what it takes to be a good player do you want to do it or do you not want to do it you know but then I felt like okay I, I really can be good And uh, I really should work towards being a good player. That's when I started doing proper, you know, like I started focusing a little more in my tennis. I started working on my weaknesses and such things. And uh, I became pretty good by the time I was 14. Like I was seeing, you know, quick results. And um, I was an Asian junior champion when I was under 14. That was my big achievement. And that was a big booster for me. Um, like, you know, which made me, you know, propel my f- further career. Then I started doing well in the juniors, like under 18s. Then I started doing well in the men's a little bit. So it, it's, um, tennis is a very difficult sport. You cannot have a, you know, uh, it needs a lot of, uh, more than the skill. You need to be very fit on court and you need to do strength. And you, you would know it being a badminton player yourself, right? Like, you know, you need fitness, you need skill, you need uh, the mind for it. You need to fight it out till the end every single day, right? And um, yeah, it was good things happened. Then suddenly, I was there in the state game for the national games where we won a bunch of medals, which was really nice. And uh, national games is like Olympics in India, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> Players yeah. from all sports uh, yeah. disciplines, and we stay together in the games village, and it was a yeah. beautiful. Feeling, I, I think I, I, this was during when I was in college. I think 2012 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was a beautiful experience. And then I started qualifying for uh, international tournaments in the men's. You know, once I crossed my juniors, you know, I started qualifying for international tournaments, and um, it was. Uh, I was seeing the good side, and suddenly I do. I did, of course. I did have a couple of injury bouts that I was dealing with. I had a very bad uh, hip injury, I think, in 2012. I really right. couldn't play at all. Like, I, I mean, not even play. I, I couldn't even walk for like. Yeah, I
0: remember. There. Like uh, you were carrying an ice bag I mean, I whenever. Late. Yeah, during the college times, right? <laughs> yeah. and you used to walk. It was <laughs> really funny, and you used to carry an ice bag with you always, right? So would, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, for uh, when you know, you get a little um hustled and a little yeah. desperate also when you get injured because Correct. you don't want to waste your best, fa- you know, your age on injury, and you know, I'm sure every sportsman feels yeah. that way. So, yeah. I was trying to heal while I was studying and sitting in class and listening to some lectures, so I used to ice myself while I was
0: Correct. doing those <laughs>
1: lectures. Yeah, yeah. so That's that was true. happening, yeah. and I couldn't work to be honest, like, I couldn't walk straight, like, I was walking, (laughs) but But then it was a one, one, not one year, I would say about seven, eight months, I was struggling like that, but then I did get back, I did bounce back even stronger. And, uh, but uh, one thing I realized, like, every time I had an injury and I came back, I became only better and not mm. uh, worse. So oh, that's I nice. Always, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it took time and all that, but um, um, I, I always had better results, you know, uh, mm. after my injuries. I had another bout of injury in, I think, 2016. This was right before I joined uh, you know clear joined the armed forces just before that say about three four months before that i was again bedridden literally again same mm-hmm. hip injury could mm-hmm. barely walk for a long time and um, it was very bad. I was on painkillers the whole day. I remember actually, to be honest, when I was attending my SSB interview, um, I I was popping painkillers before the interview because it was very hard. I really couldn't. Uh, I had a shoulder, a swelling in my collarbone and my hip was so painful that I couldn't even keep one foot forward. So yeah, a lot of things, injuries do, you know, bring you down and all that, but if you, but then if you do the right thing, I feel you can always bounce back and be better than what you were before it.
0: That's really nice to hear. And who better than <laughs> yes. you, right? To tell us that. So, a little more of a very common question, right? Uh, to talk in terms of tennis. Uh, yeah. Why do you think India is not able to produce a Federer, Rafa, or a Djokovic? Like, in fact, as we speak, uh, Djokovic is playing his French Open final right now, right? So, but (laughs) why is India not able to do that? Like, uh, I know we've had uh, great players like Leander Pace, Mahesh Bhupati, Sanya Mirza. But uh, what do you think? uh, What's wrong here?
1: There is... I I wouldn't say there is anything wrong. Like, um, we may lack a lot infrastructure wise uh, to be uh, absolutely honest I've, I've played in um, places abroad as well I've trained in the US I've trained in in all European countries the only thing that is that they have there what we don't have here is the infrastructure for example um, I'll, I'll give you my example um, I'll tell you why because say if I wanted to do a go, go gym I have to go to a, I have to find my own gym if I want to play tennis I have to find my own academy and and then if I want to do a lot of running on a track I have to go to the only track which is there in Chennai which is in Nehru stadium right only good track I would say the rest are all sand tracks and all that so we like in India it's not very it's a very unorganized uh, Thing at the moment, you know, but whereas in European countries, you walk into a club, they'll have their own running track, they'll have their own gym, they'll have their own 20 tennis courts, and which is very normal here. Here, you yeah. find three tennis courts is a huge thing, but then there's 20 tennis courts is a normal thing. So, mm-hmm. infrastructure wise, we are lacking, but um, we do have very good coaches and all that, and there's no doubt about the quality of coaching we get here. But, but in great. terms of talent, uh, um, in- you know, in terms of talent.
0: How is India there?
1: In in terms of talent, I think we are fine. We we oh. are fine. The thing is, uh, there is um, when when. Um... As a junior, as as juniors, uh, as an Indian junior is equivalent to any junior in the world, oh, and we have a lot of really? juniors winning grand slams. Like yes, yes, okay. yes. Any junior in the world, a, Indian junior will definitely match. India's Indian juniors are really good, but then they start losing track after they you know turn eighteen, and there are there are a lot of um, peer pressure. Like you know, in India, it's about earning a living, and nobody sees a sportsman as a as a job. Like you know, you can't call yourself a you know how the society works right so uh, that is a that is another problem that we face here like nobody sees being a sportsman unless you're a cricketer as a full-time job right which is something that has to be changed and um, a lot of people a lot of talented tennis players look for security they may not be from a very um, affluent background but uh, they look for financial security so they end up doing a job which pays them you know, to (laughs) pays them enough to carry on with their lives. And yeah, we need a more organized system here and we need some money coming in either from government or from private companies it's slowly coming up I see a lot of uh, players being supported by foundations these days for example right like there are so many such foundations like I think Rahul Dravid has a foundation he supports talented players even a couple of cricketers they have their own foundations and there are I think it's getting a little better but it can get a lot better and only then we can even think about you know getting into Grand Slams and producing Grand Slam Champion, which is a which is, um, long way from, away from here at the moment.
0: So you don't even see uh, in the newer future, right? At least in the next five years, you don't see anyone in India who can reach that level?
1: I would love to, I would love to see someone <laughs> from India win a Grand Slam in the next five years. But realistically, it is um, very hard. Um, yeah, as much as, you know, I'd want someone from here to win it. But doubles, we do well because doubles is very skill-oriented and you all you have to do is cover half-court. So, mm-hmm. that way, we are able to manage with, uh, you know, we still have Grand Slam champions. Like, Leander has some 18 Grand Slams. There was Mahesh Pupati. There's Opana, And in the women's, there's Sanya Meza winning lots of Grand Slams. And she's still playing. So, we do well in the doubles. Singles, it's a little... Uh, you know, yeah. it's a little far-fetched at the moment. Or
0: is it like uh, those people are actually naturally uh, fitter? I mean, like their bodies are more, uh, you know, kind of uh, oriented for tennis? I, I,
1: it's not like that. Like, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of people have actually told me this. It's their genes. Indians are not as strong as the Europeans or the Americans. they which is maybe true to an extent, but like, you know, like generally um, a lot of tennis players in the European tennis players, they're, they're generally over six feet, four inches. That's one that's become like a normal height right now. But we don't find too many six, four Indians, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it is very rare that we have a six, four strongly built Indian. But then having said that, it's not like you can't be as good you know, compete against a, six, a guy who's six feet four inches when you're just five feet eight inches. You, you can still compete. You have to work on your strengths and, you know, you have to work on your, like, I'm sure the guy who is six feet four can, will have some weaknesses Weakness, and he, yeah. he probably finds uh, bending low and hitting those low balls hard. So we have to exploit what we have and we can only do with what we have at the moment. So, you know, we can't expect to have their genes or be that tall or be that yeah. strong. A lot, lots of players have done it in the past it's not like we have not had uh, uh, you know professional tennis players in the topmost yeah. level even right now we do have a couple of guys they're there and they're competing and they're doing well and yeah. in spite of not being as strong as those European and American guys so True. it's possible it's possible it's definitely yeah. possible let's
0: let's hope uh, we have uh, a tennis star uh, coming at the international level soon
1: right uh, <laughs> yes that's all we can do <laughs>
0: Not uh, just being a tennis star, you were actually good at studies too, right? Uh, you did your mechanical engineering at SSN, then yes. you went on to do your master of engineering at CG Hindi, uh, where you were the university topper. How is that possible? Because I know tennis is extremely <laughs> tough, like the fitness levels. Yeah. Because I've been in uh, fitness coaching sessions where uh, badminton players, yeah. athletic uh, people, uh, even tennis people. Uh, come right i know the tennis trainings yes. are absolutely tough i know that how did you manage Can studies I- it's not easy to you know do a university top uh topper in a master's course right how did you do that fine.
1: i honestly don't know how it happened to <laughs> just like, being so I- humble I- <laughs> It's not about, it. I'm being absolutely honest here. Um, like, I, I, picked, I picked this course called Manufacturing Systems and Management. It is more like industrial engineering, where we, you know, study a lot of, uh, um, you know, how we try to make manuf- uh, engineering more efficient right like it's like optimization of uh, processes and all that it was a very interesting course to be honest I love the course that's the most important thing I I love the course and I was uh, loving all the subjects and um, without me realizing I was you know picking things up very fast and uh, I was reproducing them in the answer sheets and things like that and i did a very interesting project too i was trying to you know i came up with um some uh new idea of sorts and did a lot of analysis on that the whole idea was like i love the course and um the rest didn't really matter to me i just kept doing uh whatever i had to do and yeah it was very hard uh, you know um in managing with tennis and fitness and all that. But I somehow found time. Like I woke up early in the morning every single day and trained, ran, uh, gymed, played tennis for a few hours. Then I used to run to college. Like, you know, I used to just about make it in time in college. And um, uh, college, sitting in college lectures, you know, was my only relaxing time. And I used to, then again, post college, I used to come rush back to tennis again. And and, um, play again play play till the sun and then i used to sleep before i even you know my uh before, before anything else I, I and i woke up the next morning did wow. the same thing so it was hard but um it's worth it yeah <laughs> so that's really nice
0: <laughs> Lovely. yeah uh, so you're done with your uh uh, serving period at the Indian Coast Guard, and uh, yes. you were just telling me that uh, you wanted to move to civilian life, right? Uh,
1: yeah.
0: How are you looking forward? Like, uh, I know the Indian Coast Guard should would have been a wonderful experience. Uh, like, why do you want to move to civilian life, and uh, what what's what are you looking for instead?
1: Um. First of all, like. Um, I really, uh, I mean, um, the only thing that I missed being part of the armed forces was tennis. Tennis meant a lot to me before I joined the forces and I was playing a lot of tournaments representing the service, but not as much as I would have loved. So, um, and um, I want to get back to my, you know, my tennis uh, tennis, uh, tournaments again, which I did start and uh, well, I played a bunch of tournaments before the lockdown this year. And I also did play some last year and I did pretty well. I was doing well. And yeah. So I want to get back to tennis first of all. That's my immediate uh, immediate plan. And I also am working on a couple of other things. Like um, a friend and I are coming up with um, um a small a, a small startup of start uh, as and we intend to do a couple of things uh, yeah, so that's the plan as, as of now, and it's going pretty well. There's
0: always a thing, right? Uh, jack of all trade and master of none, right? But you're a master of all trades. I'm <laughs> because not a master of anything. You're a master of tennis, you're good no. at studies, you're a, a, a part of the armed forces. Now you have your startup. So how many more, Irfan? <laughs> it's really surprising. I, but like, I don't know yeah, how you have that I'm energy.
1: To be honest, I'm just going with the flow. It's not like I planned everything, you know, very perfectly. I only take things as it comes. And that's one thing I learned being part of the armed forces. You cannot plan anything. And you can only act on what is in hand. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. And uh, yeah, I can make the best of what I have.
0: Wow, that's a lovely quote to finish With this, we actually come to the end of this interview. It was lovely talking to you, Irfan. It was a pleasure uh, to know about your experience at the Indian Coast Guards and a lot of lovely conversations on tennis and your journey to yeah. getting to the top, right? So it is lovely having you here. Uh, I hope uh, this helps a lot of listeners to you know get motivated and uh, thanks for spending your valuable time, Irfan.
1: Thank you, Mohan. I really enjoyed being part of this uh, new initiative of yours. I hope you know, it goes places and all the best to you. And yeah, I really enjoyed.
0: Thanks a lot for spending your valuable time listening to our podcast. It was indeed pleasure having you here. If you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Find Spread it Within. I'm constantly looking out for feedback from my listeners. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can contact me on my Instagram handle M-O-H-A-N-R-A-N-G-T-H-A-L-E or shoot out an email to M-O-H-A-N-R-A-N-G-T-H-A-L-E at gmail.com So excited to see you back on the next episode.
1: Take care, stay safe, namaste.